the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number three, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Of course, I host the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 until 9 right here on good old 710 KNUS, leading right in to Peter Boyles. It is good to be with you today on a day where, let's see, we're supposed to get a little bit of snow, a high of 36 degrees. I got to tell you, though, I am I'm kind of tired of this snow and ice thing. Uh, where I live, there is still way too much ice that is on the ground, on the roads, and in the apartment complex streets and so forth. I'm about done with the idea that we should just be uh, waiting for the sun for whatever reason. It's lasted so long. And now we are even colder again today, back into the 30s, and it looks... um, Less sunny outside, yeah, because it's going to be mostly cloudy today, and we're expected to get even more snow. My goodness. Good to be with you again. Jimmy in for George, 303-696-1971. So just when Joe Biden is trying to project strength at the border, that he's taking this seriously, he went to the border finally. He finally discovered the southern border. And that it exists. Mmm. It exists. And he goes to Mexico and he meets with their president. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. And Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. And of course, he's in Mexico and he's making a big to-do and talking about the border and so forth. And then AMLO, as he's known, the president of Mexico, says this with the help of a translator. You, President Biden, you are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not built not even one meter of wall. And that, we thank you for that, sir. He said... That Biden is the first, you, President Biden, are the first president of the United States not to build or to build not even one meter of wall. And for that, we thank you. Is that a good idea? Or not a good idea. Is that a good thing for Biden? For the president of Mexico to be thanking him for not building the wall for not adding that layer to the security at the border. What do you make of that? 
I mean, already Biden is so behind the pale on this issue of border security. He waited two years to finally make it down to the border, and it was for just a photo op. And then here you have literally the president of Mexico thanking him for not building any wall. Now, when you go to Biden himself, here is a piece of what he had to say about Republicans and their criticism of him. Our Republican friends and some few Democrats are very critical of what's going on on the border, but yet refuse to even look at the detail document I submitted for the Congress to consider to reform the process completely. Mm. So Biden is criticizing Republicans for saying, in effect, we aren't on board with your amnesty type agenda, Joe. So we're not going to consider that. How well does that work for him to bring? Oh, Republicans don't want to consider this. Are you kidding me? That's the argument that Biden is extending here. I mean, it is just stunning to hear first the president of Mexico say what AMLO has said, thanking him for not building one meter of wall, saying he's the first president to do so. I mean, to not do so. Wow. And then Biden gripes about Republicans supposedly being unwilling. Well, not supposedly. Yeah, they're unwilling to listen to some of his ideas because it is a non-starter to include the type of amnesty-like approach and outright amnesty approach that Biden is taking in proposals. But this trip down to Mexico, I mean, you think about what Biden has failed to do throughout the course of his administration and how bad things are down there. And that ain't a good idea to hear for for Biden to accept or embrace or whatever this wall idea. But when it comes to going down to the southern border, it also shows how little he cares about the issues. But here's something that Really struck me. This is not the border specific, but it's something that Biden said while he was down there early on in his presentation. Since becoming president, I've been laser focused on rebuilding the U.S. economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not the trickle down economy from the bottom up and the the middle out. It works because the wealthy do very well and everybody else does well, too. But everybody does well. And uh, from the bottom up is means investing in priorities for working families. So there's some gobbledygook there. It's hard to follow along with this point. But he talked about trickle-down economy. And look, this is, this is sort of a pet peeve. It, it triggers me whenever I hear the word trickle-down and I feel like I need to address it. Because there is no serious conservative economist or politician who has ever espoused the idea of trickle-down economics. 
It is a myth created by the left to deride a Republican or conservative policy of lower taxes intended to promote greater investment. But there is nothing you can cite, anybody can cite, that shows Republicans espouse some sort of trickle-down theory. Think of Dr. Thomas Sowell, one of the great conservative economists of our time. He wrote a little 2012 treatise entitled Trickle-Down Theory and Tax Cuts for the Rich and said, quote, No such theory has been found in even the most voluminous and learned histories of economic theories, including J.A. Schumpeter's monumental 1260-page History of Economic Analysis. This really is just a standard straw man from the left. And Sowell puts it this way, it is a classic example of arguing against a caricature instead of confronting the argument actually made. And I won't get into the economic reasons for the for the fallacies so much as to say that it is a reversal of economic events. It doesn't actually look at the intent of reducing taxes and how it is designed to be a rising tide that lifts all boats. Because there's a lot to the economics here of how it actually works. But let's go to the original source of trickle-down economics. Because it traces back to an advisor of FDR, a speechwriter for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and perpetuated by Democrats since then as a rhetorical device. It was FDR who made it up. And then it got into the lingo and the Democrats have used it for decades and decades and decades. And it just is a pet peeve of mine whenever I hear trickle-down economics used to critique it and say it's not what Republicans and conservatives believe, and it is one of those issues of language created by the left that is then perpetuated in our common discourse, and here we are today still talking about it. And the Democrats continue to use it, and Republicans never push back and say, that's not what we are talking about at all, because it isn't what the right talks about at all in terms of its lower tax economic policy. Now, when we get to the House being in Republican control, they're looking at border security packages and immigration packages that are right for the agenda. Here's a question. Do you believe that Republicans will hold true on the immigration issue, on the spending issue, on the other subjects. There was a big deal that was struck last week. A lot of folks in the station, listeners, hosts, we were looking at it and examining it and wondering, okay, is this worth it? What are the deals that are being struck? What's the potential here as far as, well, you see Republicans negotiating, rules package which was passed on Monday that will do a number of things 
But here's the question. 303-696-1971. Will Republicans actually abide by that? Will they follow through with their agendas or will they eventually cave in that regard? Because all too often we have folks calling to this station who say the Republicans are weak. They're led by rhinos and they won't do what they say they're going to do. Is the deal last week worth it to the point where we will see that follow through? Here's a little bit of Elise Stefanik, the head of the House Republican Caucus, just yesterday on the House GOP Majority's agenda. Our first orders of legislative business have been exactly what we promised to the American people. We promised on day one to repeal Joe Biden's army of 87,000 new IRS agents, and yesterday we did just that. Today, we will counter the Chinese Communist Party with our Select Committee on China. We will vote to protect every American's constitutional rights with the new Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. We will also vote to stop the Biden administration from selling our strategic petroleum reserves to China. So that's quite an agenda. Are they going to hold true to it? By the way, I I really think Republicans are erring in one thing that we heard Stefanik say, we keep hearing them say, we repealed the 87,000 IRS agents. Let's be clear. They passed a bill intended to do that. But the House approving said bill does not immediately mean repeal. It probably won't pass the U.S. Senate. It should pass the U.S. Senate. Republicans should advocate for it and champion it in the U.S. Senate. But that's not the same as actually doing it and completing the objective. Now, they completed the objective for their part. They voted to do it. But to say we repealed the 87,000 IRS agents is like saying the House repealed Obamacare. The House repealed, voted to repeal Obamacare. But then it went over to the United States Senate and John McCain killed it. It didn't happen. It takes two to tango in Congress and it's the House and the Senate. So I think Republicans are unwise to sort of flippantly say we repealed the 87,000 IRS agents. We voted to repeal it. Will the Senate pass it? That's what they should be saying. We voted to repeal the 87,000 agents. Now it's incumbent on the United States Senate to do that because it's going to go after predominantly the middle class. Because that is what the record shows for the IRS and their auditing is going after the middle class. But back to the question at hand. Are Republicans going to follow through with their agenda? Again, listen to what Stefanik said. Our first orders of legislative business have been exactly what we promised to the American people. We promised on day one to repeal Joe Biden's army of 87,000 new IRS agents, and yesterday we did just that. Today, we will counter the Chinese Communist Party with our select committee on China. We will vote to protect every American's constitutional rights with the new select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. We will also vote to stop the Biden administration from selling our strategic petroleum reserves to China. A lot of good things 
I think the Republicans will follow through on that list. But what about the appropriations bills? They say they want to split up the 12 appro- into 12 appropriations bills, dividing up for the different elements of government, as opposed to one big omnibus spending bill. Now, that's important. That's good. That's the exact thing that they should have been doing for years, but they have not done it in Congress. Going back to that old school way of actual budgeting is right on. But will they hold true to it or will they ultimately cave if Mitch McConnell goes to McCarthy and says, dude, we have an agreement. We really need to get this through and fund the government and forestall a shutdown, et cetera. I want the Republicans in the House, I think you do too, to hold the line and not to cave when there is no such thing as really a government shutdown. The central services will continue. Government employees will be paid. They just may be paid delayed. The important thing is to get us back on track fiscally. It's critical. Stephen Littleton texting in, Jimmy, prior to the rebels holding up the McCarthy confirmation, I would say nothing will change. Now maybe some things will change, just maybe. Yes, just maybe is the right phrase because I don't know. I have to agree with the cons- with a lot of the conservative critics who look at the Republican Party and say, well, you know, they're pretty darn weak. They don't follow through. That happens all too often. It's true. Now, does that mean we shouldn't vote for Republicans on elect? No, you still got to vote for them at the end of the day because it's important to have Republican control of the House and the Senate. But there are means through which you can and should push back and get them on track. But regardless, I do think that there is a little bit of an opportunity here for Republicans to hold the line to prove themselves a little bit, a massive opportunity, to prove that they are willing to follow through. And if they do, it will reap benefits. For those of you who are critical of Republicans for not following through, if they do so in this Congress, will that change your view? Will that encourage you to support Republicans more confidently and more significantly than you had previously? Will that change things a little bit? 303-696-1971. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. On the other side, what's going on with student loans? Looks like the Biden administration has another strategy for writing off student loan debt. We will get to that and more coming up. Jimmy in for George. Give us a call. 303-696-1971. Keep the text coming. I'm Jimmy, in for George, News Talk 710 KNUS. Bottom of the hour, Jimmy Sangenberger, in for George Brockler, News Talk 710 KNUS. The FAA greenlit flights to continue about an hour and a half ago after shutting down all domestic air traffic for several hours earlier this morning. 
when the FAA's NOTAM system, that is Noticed Air Missions, which alerts pilots and other personnel about airborne issues and other delays at airports across the country, failed. There was an outage in their systems, and they said, oh, we got a ground flights. Some 400 flights were canceled. United should have resumed its flights as of 8 o'clock Mountain Time. But if you were expecting to travel today, just plan on potentially a little bit more of a hectic day. But then again, isn't that the way things are when you're traveling domestically these days using the airlines? 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app. Norma texting in, yes, the House of Representatives did their job. It is up to the citizens to put pressure on their senators by calling them. Absolutely. Calls, texts, fax, faxes. Go there. Try and get meetings. Respectfully make your voice heard without a doubt. That is crucial, especially when Republicans in the House are trying to hold the line in their majority on things. And the Senate isn't willing to play ball. you got to keep the House going strong. Give them the support that they need so they will follow through and hopefully, God willing, achieve the end objective. All right, let's go to Ronald in Denver. Up next, Ronald, you're on with Jimmy in for George. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, sir. So what's on your mind? This back and forth rhetoric is making me dizzy. Yes. Uh, I mean, when you see what's going on with Republicans in Congress, I get it. Certainly dizziness can be a symptom that comes from it. Why? Why are you dizzy in your mind, Ronald? Because the Democrats propose one thing, the Republicans come back with a uh, counter-offer, or what they think is a counter-offer. The Democrats do something else. The Republicans do something else. Right. It's like madness. What the heck is going on here? So you're frustrated with the inability of both sides to work together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's like... they're playing chess, and they're not, and they're not really serious about anything. You know, I wonder if they're playing chess, or at times, if both political parties are just playing checkers. Because sometimes that's what it seems like that there may not be too much strategy going on there. Ronald, thanks for the call. I I appreciate it. You know, I understand that sort of dizziness. I thought he was going to go in a different direction with that dizziness in terms of what's happening with Republicans and so forth in inside the conference among Republicans. But it can get dizzy a little bit for average Americans like Ronald Collin when Republicans and Democrats are just trading barbs and trading ideas and trading comments and trading this and that. And they're not actually getting anything done or accomplishing any sorts of objectives. I can certainly understand that kind of frustration, to be sure. And when you look at the Republicans and the divisions that may be showing themselves within the conference, it's not hard to then add an additional layer of chaos in your mind, right? 
when you're like, okay, what's happening back and forth among the Republicans? Can you follow along with what they're saying? And will they follow through with their objectives? Will they follow through on holding Democrats to account? That is to be seen. Now, speaking of holding Democrats to account and thwarting the leftist agenda and the Democrat agenda writ large, Joe Biden finds himself now in court over his blatantly, flagrantly unconstitutional student loan forgiveness scheme. Well, now the Biden administration's education department, fearing that he will lose in court come June of this year, when the Supreme Court renders its ultimate verdict, that's when it's expected to be put out there, when a decision is anticipated to be released and determined. They're already preempting that with a brand new way of doing the income-driven repayment system. That would be one option for paying back student loans where it is based on income. New York Times reporting that the Education Department on Tuesday released long-awaited details on a piece of President Biden's student loan debt plan that would enable millions of borrowers to cut their monthly federal payments by more than half, perhaps the most consequential component of the president's broader initiative to make the student loan system more manageable. That's an interesting phrase. Given that, the economic data, I've been researching, writing, speaking about this For years, the economic data is clear that it is the federal government's easy money policy with student loans, the proliferation of student loans and grants that has dramatically exacerbated the skyrocketing cost of college. And as a result, taking out more student loans. And it is because actually it's the other way around. The student loan borrowing has precipitated the higher cost of college, which then spurs more student loan borrowing because colleges and universities have looked at it and said, hey, look at all this money that's available. Let's just jack up our prices. So that's only going to be worsened by the effort to make student loans more manageable in a way that isn't actually going to address the root causes of skyrocketing college costs. New York Times goes on. The Education Department's proposed rules would revise one of its existing income-driven repayment plans, known as Repay, in which borrowers' monthly payments are tied to their income and family size, and after a set number of years, any remaining debt is forgiven. Unlike Mr. Biden's one-time initiative to cancel up to $20,000 in federal debt, which has been stymied by legal challenges, the new repayment plan would become a permanent fixture of the student loan infrastructure and apply to current and future borrowers. The Wall Street Journal editorial board put this into a bit of context and perspective. Noting that the Education Department is proposing rules it said will transform income-driven repayment plans by which it apparently means turn college into an entitlement whose costs increase on autopilot. 
students going forward will be able to borrow without worrying about getting jobs that allow them to repay their loans. Continuing, the what the journal says is the Obamacare student loan scam. This is something that I've noted for a long time has been the nationalizing of the student loan market. That happened in Obamacare, or about the time of Obamacare. They nationalized the student loans and also established this income-based repayment program for borrowers. After June of 2014, that capped monthly payments at just 10% of their discretionary income and that borrowers discharge remaining debt after 20 years or 10 for those employed by government or nonprofits. Obama administration expanded it themselves to older borrowers without going through Congress. It's just it's just a whole mess. And now Biden is looking at making even more caps. So here's what's going to happen. If you have to pay back less and less of your student loans, it is going to incentivize more and more borrowers to take out more and more student loans because the expectation is maybe it won't be entirely forgiven, but it will be less incumbent upon you to pay back your student loans. You're going to get to pay back far less and for less time. It is sort of forgiveness by another means and making college more like an entitlement, as they say. So they may totally get struck down in terms of student loan forgiveness, but the Biden administration is working unilaterally to make it so that borrowers have significantly less to pay back, and yet the bill still has to be footed by somebody. You. In the same way, just over a longer period of time, but in the very same way, there needs to be an outcry against this. There needs to be a lot more discussion about this and about the games that Biden is playing when it comes to student loans. Looks like he's going to be struck down in court. Supreme Court ain't going to uphold his forgiveness scheme that's flagrantly unconstitutional. So if they're going to strike that down, what does Biden have to do? He's got to do something, right? Because they always cry, do something. But he's not trying to work with Congress to actually change laws or to address the fundamental reasons that college costs so damn much. Instead, he's going to make college cost even more. But encourage more student loan borrowing to afford those higher costs. It's just a mess. It's a vicious cycle. And you know what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Republicans are very much to blame for what's going on here because they have not taken the issue of student loans and higher education costs seriously at any point, except when Biden declares unilateral forgiveness scheme. And then they're like, hair on fire. You can't do this. Well, of course you can't do this. You shouldn't do it either. But where were you, Republicans, for years leading up to this point, trying to lay the groundwork to oppose politically what the Democrats are doing and these other backdoor ways that they're trying to do it? And to win the messaging battle, there's not even an attempt by Republicans to do it. Now, now we're getting a little bit of an attempt, but not nearly enough. What do you think? 
Is that another instance of Republicans not being on the ball? Or is it an instance where Republicans are sort of like, eh, we don't really care because those are student loans, borrowers took them out, and we shouldn't worry about it because you're responsible for it, so why even talk about the issue? Why even engage in the conversation? I think that's a foolish way of doing politics, but some people believe that. What do you think? And what about the Republican agenda? Again, Elise Stefanik, House GOP caucus leader, laying out the agenda. Our first orders of legislative business have been exactly what we promised to the American people. We promised on day one to repeal Joe Biden's army of 87,000 new IRS agents, and yesterday we did just that. Today, we will counter the Chinese Communist Party with our Select Committee on China. We will vote to protect every American's constitutional rights with the new Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. We will also vote to stop the Biden administration from selling our strategic petroleum reserves to China. By the way, Subcommittee on Weaponization of the Federal Government, I believe that was the church-style committee that I was talking about earlier in the program. For those who are curious, this select committee on China is very important. I heard Mike Gallagher, U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher, not Salem host Mike Gallagher, but U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher. I'm with Hugh Hewitt while I was riding into the station, and he was talking about how he's going to be chairing the select committee on China and how they will be focused very seriously on the serious issues, not playing games, but the serious issues involving China that's unique for Republicans and very important to have that select committee. And it underscores why a majority, a House majority of Republicans is so important. Even to have a committee like that requires Republicans to control the House. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. We'll take a break, pick up with more on the other side. Your thoughts, calls, text 303-696-1971. You can text in on the KNUS app on your smartphone as well. Keep it right here. News Talk 710 KNUS, Denver's local talk leader. Eleven minutes before the top of the hour, we will be joined by Michael Fields, president of Advanced Colorado, to dive into some of the things we're learning from the legislative session today in Colorado, which happens to be as well, uh, sort of, kind of, the subject of my own Colorado politics column entitled The Grim Economic Truth of Family, which is that paid family and medical leave program, public option, two programs, family and public option. There is a health care program called the public option in Colorado, health insurance option, and it ain't performing very well. And that's similar to Washington State and other states that have been implementing these programs. In terms of enrollment, in terms of costs, in terms of a variety of factors. And the paid family leave program already isn't going to have be enough to be solvent. It's kicking in, raising money, taking money out of your paychecks already. But next year is when it kicks in. 
and it ain't going to be solvent, according to a new study from the Common Sense Institute. We'll talk a little bit about both of those programs with Michael Fields as well. Coming up in the next hour, look in here, 36 degrees is supposed to be the high, and it is already snowing out today. My hope, my prayer, is that the snow won't keep going, that we will have a change in the weather so that it gets a little bit warmer and we can continue with the melting of snow and ice as opposed to adding more snow and ice. Now, tomorrow, high is supposed to be 48, and it's going to be a sunny day, no snow, 55 on Friday, 59 on Saturday. So hopefully by mid-weekend, we will have something warmer and better when it comes to not only the weather, but the snow and ice melting as well. Can Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on News Talk 710-KNUS? And look, there is no end to the nonsense that we keep seeing coming out of the Biden administration. And, of course, we have the classified documents story. I mean, again, this is Biden's justification for that yesterday. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon. And uh, there'll be more detail at that time. What? Gobbledygook kind of defense, especially for somebody who just last year said this about Donald Trump. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Mm, totally irresponsible, but not Joe Biden when 10 classified documents randomly showed up just six days before the midterm elections, by the way, and we're only now hearing about it this week. Randomly showed up at the University of Pennsylvania at the Penn Biden Center. (laughs) And Trump is solely the irresponsible one. Well, now, folks, Biden is coming for your gas stove. The Consumer Product Safety Commission might ban gas stoves at the federal level, meaning nationwide. Their commissioner... Richard Trumka Jr. did an interview this week with Bloomberg News where he teased that the agency is going to be proposing new rules for gas stoves, which could even include a ban, saying this is a hidden hazard. Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Now, he's not worried about, say, accidental burns. Which actually, if you think about it, are a hazard that you can get from electric range tops. They stay hot for a long time, can stay hot, usually do, for a while after they are turned off, the electric ones. But as the Wall Street Journal points out, 
The agency's purported concern is that gas stoves cause indoor air pollution and asthma, though there's scant evidence to support such claims. Even the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, says, quote, gas stoves and gas fireplace inserts do not require EPA certification. So whether designed to burn natural gas or propane, they burn very clearly, emitting very little pollution, the EPA says, adding that, quote, many cooking appliances and the process of cooking itself can increase levels of indoor PM particulate matter. I mean, what is going on here? Banning gas stoves from the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which you would think is about the safety of products for individual consumers on things like, you know, are you going to get burned from using that kind of a stove? That's one thing. But then you go to the EPA and they're the ones who actually deal with environmental issues with things like natural gas. And they say, oh, there's nothing to worry about natural gas stoves themselves. Whether designed to burn natural gas or propane, they burn very clearly, emitting cleanly, emitting very little pollution. I mean, how many things do they want to come after in our day to day lives? They claim to be the ones on the left who don't want to interfere in our social lives, in the bedroom, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, at every turn, they want to micromanage the day-to-day aspects of our lives. And it is really in pursuit of a radical climate agenda because ultimately what they want is to destroy the natural gas industry. That's it. They don't want natural gas. They want us to be focused on renewable energies. And they'll do whatever they can to advance renewables green energy, and to dismantle the fossil fuel industry. Hence, coming for your gas stove. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. On the other side, we will be joined by Michael Fields. Let's get local for the next hour. Talk a little bit about what's happening in Denver and Colorado writ large. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George. News Talk 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 